You're listening to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, episode 133. Hey, y'all, it is Bro Lady here. That is what the bros so sweetly call me, the producer of this show. I'm Jeanette Tapley. I wanted to jump in here and let you know that we're throwing this week's episode back almost 100 episodes, almost 100 weeks ago. We are replaying episode 31 with Mr. Mickey Smith Jr. Maybe you're new to the show or maybe you listened 100 weeks ago and you forgot about it and we want to kick it back up. We want to encourage you with all of the great things that Mr. Mickey Smith Jr. had for us and we're just excited. We're allowing the bros some summer vacation, if you will, and I'm just excited for you guys to listen to this episode once again. We will see you here next week with a brand new episode. Hello and welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world. And we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life and let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 31. 31. On today's podcast, we have a special guest with us today, Mickey Smith Jr. We're coming to you Woo! from uh, Maplewood Middle School, where Mickey is a teacher, um, inspiring the youth here in the community, which is very awesome. A um, little bit background for you. Mickey also is a Grammy Award winner for the Music Educator Award. Um, That's right. So we're looking forward to some flyness. One thing I'm going to say before I kick it over to Johnny Boy on his few comments here, Mickey and I are definitely taking over on the flyness category. <laughs> I feel like John feels outnumbered. We got a fly hats going up in here. Mickey's got an amazing looking outfit. So I'm looking forward to the day. What you think, Johnny Boy? Well, you know, I'm glad that I texted you this morning and asked you to put on an extra special hat because I know it's kind of uh, Mickey's forte. You didn't choose the one that uh, I was suggesting that you get, which was, along, what we got which was along the lines of Mickey's, but it's pretty fantastic. I can't wait for people to see it. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the, the people getting to pick too, especially with the long hair we got rocking these days. Now again, with uh, Mickey coming on, we need to give a special thanks to uh, my friend, Jackie Bork. Uh, Jackie's our unofficial, official, unofficial uh, talent scout. Uh, she's the one that recommended that we have Mickey come on. Uh, she's played in a band with him in the past and uh, she said he's just an amazing person. So I started looking into Mr. Smith and so excited that he agreed to come on with us. Yeah, man, me too. Uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. I think the energy uh, Mickey brings is, is going to be infectious for us. And without further ado, we're going to kick it over to you, Mickey. Good to have you on man, today, brother. Hey, it's, it's great to be here. And, I, and I'll tell you, man, folks can't see the, the, the flyness like you talked about. But, <laughs> there you go, but, I, but I will say this. Sometimes what's fly is not always what you think, man, because <laughs> I would give anything to have something under this hair, this hat, so to speak. So I'm, 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 missing, I'm, I'm low in the hair category. So I, my, my, my admiration for, for y'all's uh, 
follicle awesomeness <laughs> is, uh, man, it's deep today, Sam. Thank y'all so much. It's, it's great to be here. I'm loving the energy and uh, looking forward to just have an opportunity just to talk and share and just break bread, so to speak, with folks. Break yeah. bread, man. I love the line, too. Mm -hmm. I knew it, it sure man. does. Well, look, Mickey, um, before we kind of hop in, I think John and I have a few things we, we definitely want to discuss with you in particular, but why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, what they should know about you, so to speak? Um, you know, as far as I go, I, I don't I don't profess to be anything special. I think I'm just a little fella from a, a little town, a forgotten community uh, who, by the grace of God and, and, and family support and all wonderful things have been on phenomenal stages. And if anything, I hope that my life and, and just the blessings I've been able to, to uh, experience gives some level of hope to somebody. You know, when I come into a classroom as a teacher, um, it's more than what people think. I usually have a lot of folks that are like, hey man, you could be doing anything, why do you teach? I think, I don't just teach, I think I reach. Mm -hmm. I don't think I instruct, I think I inspire. And I don't say that to impress anybody, but just to impress upon you that we all have a gift, we all have a sound. And my sound is not the instrument people always hear. Uh, I believe my sound is my purpose, it's my passion, it's, it's my significance um, that I've been blessed with, that we've all been blessed with, and we all have a signature. And hopefully when you're in a situation, a space or a place or a work situation or uh, any sort of circumstance, hopefully your sound leaves the space better than you came. So. Thank you all for sharing the sounds of so many, and thank you for the opportunity to just share a little bit of my sound today with the audience out here today. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. Yeah, dude, word to that. And um, one of the things that, that does bring that, one of my questions I'd have for you, I guess, right off the bat, Mickey, is you seem to be pretty convicted in your purpose in life, your, your place to, to serve, inspire, um, use your talents, God-given talents. Where did that, or how did that come about for you? Um, it, that, that's an interesting question. I don't know um, if it's any one thing, because when you talk to me, you're literally talking to the guy who had no self-esteem, no wow. direction, no value perceived in myself. Um, even the community I grew up in, great people, great heart, but what is it like to grow up in a community that doesn't have a lot of value? So little value that they bulldoze the entire town. I've never heard of a whole town being bulldozed. So that, that does something to you when you're a kid, whether you want to accept it or not, you see yourself differently. You, you begin to ask yourself, you know, maybe what's wrong with me? Or maybe you begin to see your deficiencies more than you see your strengths uh, to the point where, believe it or not, when I was a senior in high school, man, I wasn't going to prom. Like I decided I'm not gonna go, I can't, I, well, I'm a positive person now. I can dance. <clears throat> it may not be <laughs> great, but I can't have positive <laughs> But at the time, I'm just going to be frank, two left feet, y'all. So there's a reason I play the instrument and I don't get out on the dance floor. So I was so nervous. I'm like, man, I can't go to prom. And they're going to laugh at me and nobody likes me. I'm telling you this because <laughs> two weeks before prom hit, I had like an intervention. Y'all see those shows where people come together like, hey, you got to turn your life around. Oh, yeah. Like all of a sudden, these people are like, man, you got to go to prom. And I'm like, where's all this coming from, you know? <laughs> Dude, I was the prom king. Say what? I was the prom king. Man. And I was not going to go to prom. Do you realize how messed up in the head you got to be <laughs> to think you have no value, but everyone else could see more value than you could see for yourself? So for me, I think that moment and many, many other ones, I'm sure some will even touch on today, are what I call transformative figures. And yeah. I think we're all in this thing called life, we all run into instances where we have these transformative figures, persons, places, or things that when they come into your life, 
They help you discover and develop um, purpose. They help you uh, become more aware, uh, gain a greater perspective of yourself and hopefully of the world around you and people around you. That's why things such as this podcast is so powerful. It's not about Mickey Smith. It's about hearing a different perspective. You know, it's about understanding what makes up our community, the people that are there, the hearts, the minds, the stories. And then finally, it gives you perseverance because I believe when you have purpose, when you have um, perspective and perseverance, that becomes what I call transformative, transformative mm-hmm. tenacity. And that's the game changer, I think, for anybody out there. You don't have to have all the answers. You just got to answer the call. I'm sure even with this podcast, it was a matter of just saying, like Nike says, just do it. Man, that is extremely well said, Mickey. That's I, about how it happened. It is. I had, to, I, had to force, I had to force John and our boy Craig, listeners. Sorry, our, our brother Craig isn't with us today. He's uh, yeah. he's having to work through this one, so we're missing him along for the ride. But yes, I felt the calling, and kind of had to coax them. But then they finally, yeah. it was just do it, just, just hop on. It. No, I think that's a, that's a great perspective. And uh, you know, one of the things that I like to touch on is, you know, you need to be open to the opportunities. There's going to be opportunities mm-hmm. for you to touch people's lives, to make a difference, to do many different things. But you have to be open to that opportunity, uh, and you know, be on the lookout for it. Also, yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't always slap you upside the Rarely head. Rarely does it, you know. And it's so funny, the time we're in right now. Everybody always talks about the information age, like information age, you know faster processing, 5G, 12G, whatever, yeah. you know, iPhone 24, whatever, all that kind of stuff. But really more than the information age, I think we're in the innovation age. And the thing about innovation is it's just a fancy word for change. And change sounds good until you go through it. And right mm-hmm. now with COVID, man, this is like innovation on steroids um, to the point where I, I'm, I'm like, I love words, man. I just like knowing where words came from and then following the little family tree and stuff like that. I'm a dork. I'm an absolute dork. That's why I, that's why I need the hat, man. There's no hope for me without the hat. Thank you, bro. I'm a dork, man. So, so as I'm, I'm looking up these words, I looked up the word crisis, mm-hmm. and I discovered that um, for myself that crisis is a derivative of sift. And, uh, and some, depending on your demographic, some folks that are listening right now may actually think I said something else. Hopefully they thought I said shift. <laughs> um, but I said sift. <laughs> and the thing about sift is a lot of folks don't really understand that word, but I had a grandma, man. My grandma was born in 1910. And if you spent the summers with grandma, you were picking uh, figs, you were picking pears, you were cutting people's grass, you were doing work, man. You were picking blackberries, and you'd pick all these fruits and stuff and you'd make preserves, okay? So she was real big on canning and stuff like that, and she cooked a lot. And I remember grandmother had a, a sifter and again folks of a certain generation will know what this is but it's like a cylindrical type little device and you you wind it up and i don't know why i'm doing the hand motions nobody can see me <laughs> oh but i you, see it you oh, wind yeah. this you thing up it. and it's like a, you are like killing a, it an oversized coffee mug and they got this little wind up on the side and when you wind it up the little chain mail or whatever at the bottom moves in such a way that whatever is not pure whatever's not um fully maybe processed or refined, it remains. It can't go through. So hopefully in that bowl that's underneath the sifter, you got the pure 100% flour mm-hmm. and not, not the crud, you know, that may have came along for the ride. You got the baking powder. You can even mix different things and only the good stuff will get through. And if you got too much sugar and it clumps together, that clump stays, but the stuff that was processed comes through. And I think that's what a COVID situation, not the disease, not the virus, I don't want to be insensitive, but the season that we're in, a mm-hmm. COVID season does, it's uncomfortable, but it's a sifting. 
So a crisis is not necessarily a negative thing. As I was telling my daughter yesterday, there really is no good or bad to anything. The good and the bad is solely tied up in how you respond, mm -hmm. how you perceive it. And I think for somebody out there, they need to understand and realize that what you're going through is just a direction, it's not a destination. That if you keep on going, this will sift you, but the good news is it's processing you, it's refining you, getting you prepared for whatever that next level is so the next can be the best. Man, dude, that's extremely well said. And um, I, I'm eating this up, and I, I have to take the, the unfortunate uh, derail back to the would you rather question. <laughs> we kind of started off. We kind of started I did, off. Man. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm uber excited. I wish people could see my own face because, again, epic flyness in the room here. Uh, a lot of energy. I eat this kind of stuff up. I'm so happy we got you along with us uh, for the ride here today, Mickey. But uh, without further ado, I'm going to flip it over to John because I know that Let's this go. is probably going to go. be pretty good. I can't leave this hanging. Johnny Boy. Well, you know, you talking about that sifter, I had a flashback to my childhood, and we had one of those Okay, things. yeah, we man. Had one of things Thank you for not leaving me out there. I need <laughs> yeah. somebody to know oh. about the sifter, man. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're about the same age. So. That's it. Uh, my students, when I'm teaching them, I'm saying that because there's so many things I drop on them, and they just like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, no, that was like, that was like 10 years ago. And they're like, I was four. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, this may not be a good, uh, <laughs> good correlation. Oh, yeah. goodness. Okay, so the would, would you rather, it's funny that you brought up the dancing aspect because that was one of the ones that was well, we already know the high answer. on the list. Right now. What, <laughs> it's okay, bro, I can't dance. <laughs> one of them was the choice between, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and give you the one yeah. we have today and then I'll tell you what the backup one was. Okay, would you rather lose a body part or lose the ability to play music? Coming out hot, bro. Man, that's tough because, dude, do I at least get to pick the body part? Um, it would have to be something significant. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm just saying like. Like a big toe. Okay. An eye. Okay, you know what? An eye and a big toe. There's a big difference Ooh, between the two well, of those There two. is a big toe. I mean, there is a big difference, Dang. but it's tough to walk without a big I'm almost, toe. Most of your balance is on that. I'm almost scared to put this in the universe, man. But I, 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 guess, I guess lose a lose body part. Because, because the thing is this, depending on what body part that is, <laughs> I don't think it defines me, depending on the body part. Uh, but, but the music is such an integral part of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more than the music, but man, it would be difficult. Right now I'm going through a little something right now where I'm limited to how much I can play. I kind of overdid it, I think. I do illustrations too, I'm an artist. And I did a, way too much in a shorter time, of, uh, I think a short span of time. And I, and I developed something on my wrist. So I've had to kind of back down. And just backing down just bums me out, man. Because <laughs> you get these ideas and you want to share them. Yeah. And I realized not being able to do it, I realized that the music is like an extension of my communication. It's as natural as, as talking is for me. So not to be able to do that ever, I think I'll lose the toe. I think I'll let the toe go. Take the toe. Take the toe out there. The toe. That is, that is, that is. Lose the eye. I don't know. <laughs> okay, hot dog. What you got? Well, I don't really have music abilities, Mickey. Yeah, that's true. But what I do have is the ability to rap Come some on. music. <laughs> Come on. In the car. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Only two people have seen it. So it's, <laughs> it's not really been confirmed yet. You got to be in a real close in. So I feel like if I was riding and me and Mickey were cruising town, we could probably hold it down, though. Um, I myself, think you're right, man. I think you're right. So with that said, 
If it was a toe, I'm not going to lie. I like doing that so much, even though a very select people have seen it. I would lose the toe, too. If we got up to the point of losing an eye, I'm not really sure. That, no. that might be a, a little bit of a finer line. I don't here. know, man. Great marketing tool. There's not a lot of one-eyed saxophone players. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's great. Dude, that positivity. That's a I niche, man. It's an untapped market. Opportunity. <laughs> Seeing an opportunity. I love it. <laughs> what do you think, Johnny Boy? Well, um, you know, as I told you before, I tried to play the guitar, and I can play the guard, yeah. guitar a little bit, but I've never really mastered it to where I was really good at it. So I think I would probably give up a toe for the ability to be good Thank at you, playing man. music because yeah. I really enjoyed it, but uh, – I don't have a whole lot of musical ability to, to give up. So it's not a tough choice for me, but I knew it would probably be a lot more difficult for you. The what backup one was going to be, would you rather lose the uh, ability to play music or dance like hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> We've already established the dancing yeah. thing. Is, Dude, I, I know, you, you shot that down right out the gate. Although, although my wife laughs because if I'm playing my sax, if I'm playing, apparently I dance better. Playing the sax. You take the sax away, it's like my kryptonite. I lose my superpower, so I definitely need to hold on to the music. I bet you got some game when it comes to dancing. Probably, I have none, zero at all. John, on the other hand, he, he could probably challenge you to a dance-off. Yeah. Well, look, that was good, John. I think that was a, a great would you rather, and I'm glad I, I didn't forget to swing back to it. I didn't want to leave us hanging on that. Um, but that does lead me into a, a quick question I've got. Yeah. I know John's got a few for you here, Mickey, and that is – uh, you said it right there with, in your answer to the, if you had one eye, you would still be looking at it through a positive light. And you do, and you mentioned, alluded to early on here, that you didn't always see things in a positive yeah. light, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think that's awesome. I'm a half a glass full guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, we're, we're only here for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Just period. So I figured, I mean, to me, it's not deep. If you're going to be here, you might as well have a good time. And at some point, Uh, teaching kids has shown me that we have a lot more say so in determining our weather our climate our atmosphere matter matter of fact your weather or not okay you 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 determine the weather forecast and I remind the kids when they come in and there's something powerful about seeing it in someone else teaching probably has taught me more than I've taught them and I feel like I've taught them a lot but it's taught me that much because when you can watch somebody um, come into a situation such as this band hall that we're in, where when I get them, they don't, they know nothing. They know no thing, literally, in every sense of the word. Don't even know which side of the horn to blow in. And you see the frustration, <laughs> and you see the intimidation. Matter of fact, everybody loves band the first week of school. <laughs> then they realize, oh, I gotta practice. <clears throat> oh, this is difficult. Because music is one of the few things that takes just as much time, effort, uh, energy, in 2020 that it took in 1920. There's no shortcut, there's no yeah. microwave. You know, you, you spoke to it early, you played the guitar, and then, you know, there's a point where it does become frustrating, you know, because it's not happening quick enough. And when I say quick enough, relative to everything else around us, because we live in such a fast-paced society. So my job is to try to re- help them reimagine what life can be, because when they come in here, they're coming in with a 2020 mindset of, okay, this will take 10 minutes. So a big part of uh, helping them to discover their sound, so to speak, is giving them an idea of what pacing is, giving them an idea of what perspective is, giving them an idea that this is going somewhere. The idea that you have to fall in love with the process more than the product. You spoke to mastering the instrument. I'm not not self-deprecating. I'm not trying to be like humble or humble 
uh, <laughs> in a sense. But the fact of the matter is, I have not mastered the saxophone. People that hear me, some might say, oh, he's a master. I don't know if anybody masters the instrument because for everything you learn, there's another level. It's like, sure. oh man, you know? But that is not a depressing thing. That's actually the enjoyment of it. It's like you wake up every morning like, what's possible today? Mm -hmm. So music and teaching music has reshaped how I see things. So even as we sit here in a COVID season, you know, um, I spoke to it earlier, I don't see it as a problem or a challenge singularly. I see it as an opportunity. And every opportunity is another opportunity for another opportunity. But the challenge was never meant to be committed to. It was just meant to be recognized. We should commit to the solution. So every day I wake up thinking possibilities and solutions. Do I get it right every day? No, but that's the fun of it. Yeah. That's the fun of it, you know? So um, I guess music, music has <laughs> helped shape my perspective. Yeah, you know, I've seen some of the videos that they've had out, that they have out on you, and I've got to say, watching your teaching style is just exciting. I wish I'd been in your class. Uh, had I gone to school at that age, yeah, I was homeschooled, but just seeing your teaching technique, you, you can just tangibly see the excitement, the love, the energy that you're impressing on the young folks, uh, and it's just, it's amazing to see. Man, thank you for that. I appreciate that. You know, that's, it's, it, I think everybody has that. Whatever you see in the classroom, everybody has something like that, but oftentimes we get so busy in life, we miss what we're uniquely equipped and suited to be and do for others. And with me, when you watch me teach, it's not what I'm doing, it's what I'm being. And I think so many times we get so busy with our to-do list, we forgot to, to be, if that yeah. even makes sense. No, it makes so, perfect sense. So when Shakespeare said to be or not to be, that was actually the answer. You know, when you <laughs> find that, then you find everything else. That's awesome. So uh, I have a question for you. Um, do you have any artist or any particular story about who or what inspired you to first start playing music? Oh, man, yeah, man. Um, I grew up in a house, uh, you know, my dad loves the blues. I didn't know that at the time because, you know, uh, my parents, uh, I say deeply religious, not in a negative connotation, but, you know, we, we <clears throat> frequented church quite a bit and, and uh, there was a whole nother side of dad I didn't know, you know, before <laughs> church, you know what I mean? Because my dad had us late, okay? So my dad is currently, big shout out dad, my dad is 86, the original Mickey. He's Mickey Senior, right? All right. So um, when my, when my, when I showed up on the scene, my dad was 46 years old, which blows my mind now that I'm a parent because I'm tired now, okay? I'm thinking, how did this dude do this, man? And then I got a sister who's six years younger than me. Oh! Okay, oh, see, yeah, 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 that's the one I was, that's the one I was waiting on. So, so, like, so, like, there was a whole nother side to dad I didn't know about, and apparently, like, dad loved the blues. He loved, like, uh, Muddy Waters and yeah. Bobby Blue Bland and B.B. King. So I remember growing up, not necessarily hearing a lot of that stuff, but every so often I'd hear some B.B. King. Every, every so often, Daddy, you know, I guess Mama leave the house, what do you play a little B.B. King, you know? So I'm hearing this guy sing, and I'm hearing this instrument, this guitar, and there's one song, and I don't know the title of it, but it's, it may be called Lucille, which is the name of the guitar, and at one point, he's having a conversation with Lucille, he's singing, and Lucille is talking back, Yeah. you know? But if you listen, it does sound like she's saying something, kind of like the Charlie <laughs> Brown teacher, walk, 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 you know? 
And I remember as a kid going, man, that's super cool. And I just love the idea of speaking. Um, and there's uh, one of my favorite vocalists of all time. I'm a weird soul, man. I'm old soul. I love Al Green. I yeah. love Al Green. Matter of fact, my least favorite song is probably Let's Stay Together. I like all the obscure <laughs> Al Green stuff, okay? But I love about Al Green how he can take a lyric and he makes it his own. And, and honestly, as a kid, for those that are familiar with the, the Reverend Al Green, uh, when you listen to him, if you don't know better, you might think it's three different people singing because he's got the deep voice, he's got the mid-range, he's got this incredible high falsetto voice, you know, which if you're listening, you might think it's a female singing. And it wasn't until sometime later I realized all these sounds was coming from this one dude. And I was like, this dude is amazing. <laughs> so the idea of an instrument speaking and telling a story, I guess uniquely set me up for my, what my sound would be. There's a gentleman named Kirk Whalem who played the saxophone solo on Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. He's a fantastic saxophone in his own right. And he, for me, became the model of what the sound could be. And um, my cousin of mine who lived in Houston, we go visit her on the weekends and stuff. She heard me play at the beginning and before anybody else really saw any value, so to speak, she was like, you need to listen to this. She gave me Kirk Whalem's album and a few other folks. And when you're a kid and you're stupid, you don't even understand that that's ridiculous. <laughs> to say, be like saying, okay, hey, here, son, do this and you'll be Steph Curry. <laughs> or jump real high and you'll be Le Le LeBron James or Michael Jordan. You're like, okay, you just do it because you're a kid. Yeah. You believe anything's possible. And I poured everything I had into chasing that sound. And um, I'm not Kirk Whalem, but I feel like now I have the ability to speak in a way that he did, on the, or does on his instrument, in a way that BB did, telling a story, making people feel something. And then fast forward, now Kirk is somebody I can call. You know, I've had conversations with. How and cool. that's the cool thing about life. That's why I gotta get up every day and say, why not? It's possibilities, man. You Absolutely, never know what tomorrow brings, man. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I forgot what the question was, man. Y'all got me excited. <laughs> I don't even know, man. I, I love seeing this. It excited. doesn't matter. I love what he asked to be honest with you. So this cousin that you're talking about, it uh, is this the same one that gave you the nickname, the Maestro? Yeah, man. I yeah. figured it was yeah. probably yeah. her. Yeah, it was my cousin Lisa, man. Lisa, uh, growing up, Lisa, cool cousin, okay? So like, Lisa was about 10 years older than me. So she was just old enough, she was just young enough to get it. Yeah. Be cool, you know, sit down, we play the video games. You know, and adults are, you know, in the other room doing whatever adults do. We playing the video game, we hanging out, we listening to music. But she was also old enough I could get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Much cooler than my six-year younger sister. Sorry, sister. She had a license. I'm sorry, you didn't. So, so you know, it was just growing up, man. We could, we got, we just had so much fun. And she was like, she was Google before Google for me. Like it was, it was uncanny. Okay, anything music, and I'm not talking like any one particular genre. I've never met anybody, and I've met a lot of folks, and I've met people, no disrespect, with doctorate degrees and all these musicologists and all these different people. I have never met anybody who knew more about modern music than this woman did. Wow. I mean, just off the top of her head, she could tell you anything. And I was just enamored by this. I guess I should have known music would be, you know, part of my gift as I grew up. But um, yeah, she's the one that called me maestro, man. We, we had the best times. 
Um, she saw that I was a bit dorky. I have some pictures on my phone. I'll, I'll be happy to show you guys later so you have a better picture of Definitely. why I needed an intervention. <laughs> uh, she, she said, this dude here, man, we need some help. So uh, she as recognized I recognized the talent, though, man. she recognized the talent, but she also saw the deficiency. She said, my man, <laughs> my man needs a stylist. He need, she saw the hairline was receding. She was like, you need a hat. Uh, she, she, she told me red was my color because growing up, man, I'm, 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 an, I'm an 80s kid. So so like during the 90s, Jordan was big. Michael Jordan. Don't yeah, say yeah. nothing bad about Michael Jordan. Man. I'll have to leave. I'm sorry. Y'all are cool. <laughs> hey, but they, that's the goat. I'm sorry. Look, uh, your listeners, I've brought offense to probably. 60% of your, 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 your listening audience, but I'm, I just got to stand on what I believe. The gospel truth is Michael Jordan is the goat. Short aside, man, did you see his documentary? Oh, man, did I? Dude. Look, we set the calendar. Like, and my wife, she knew. She was like, children, go to, they went to bed early, and we blocked off that time. It was like, hey, it's, it's the Church of Jordan. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm with you. That's the all time. I'm right there with you. Yep. The LeBron conversation goes back and forth, but I, I'm on the uh, Michael train for sure. There, man, one of my students is a big Kobe dude. Okay. Big Kobe dude. So Kobe out of respect to him, and much respect, much yeah, respect to Kobe, but, I, you know, like for me, Jordan's the guy, you know. And leading up to this documentary, we didn't talk much. We talked around it. Because I just, I knew it was sensitive. And I knew I didn't know how to back down. Because if we go down the Jordan rabbit hole, man, I'm, I'm, I'm. He's I, going to I'm, the office. I'm going, I'm going, going I'm getting in trouble. So we didn't say much, man. And beforehand, my man, he, you know, he always talked about Jordan. Because he's grown now. Former, my students hang out with me now. Now yeah. they're grown and stuff. That's awesome. So um, after the documentary, I don't even know if he's listening to this. He's going to be like, man, you shouldn't have told this. But after the documentary, we're out here shooting basketball one day. And uh, he's a man of few words. He shoots a few shots. He says, uh, uh, Mr. Smith. He still calls him Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith. I say, yeah, man. You saw that documentary? I say, yeah, I sure did, man. He was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, I, I can see why you, I can see why you, uh, you feel the way you feel. And you got to understand, for him to say that, Enough said. That's that was mean. almost, that, he, he conceded. That, he conceded. <laughs> I took that as a win, man. But uh, no, nah, man. But that Jordan was a big thing. Michael Jackson growing up, you know, I, I just think like the, like, on the stage, man, mm -hmm. untouchable. I mean, just performing. as a performer, I yeah. mean, dude could do anything. I mean, he, he just stand out there and turn his head and like three women pass out, you know? <laughs> All these goes crazy. So as a kid, you know, they, both of them were, they had the red thing going on. So my, my cousin was like, you gotta wear the red. So that was, uh, that became my signature color, man. And uh, I don't know, man, it's just, uh, I think about a lot of things now. There's not many songs that go by that I don't think about her. Uh, she passed away last year, mm. passed away last year. And ironically, or purposefully and divinely, I would say, um, I was actually not gonna do this year's Grammy because I had done it for like, since 2014. You know, and um, I won't say that I was chasing the Grammy. Um, I love the process of it because in doing it, it's a year long process and it really makes you reflect on why you do what you do, how you do what you do and um, how you can improve it. So for me, it was like the best development ever. So I did it every year, but um, year before last, not to get all creepy, but um, for me, it's not. I, I prayed about this man and man, I saw it. I saw myself winning this thing. Like, and this has only happened maybe three times in my life. As vividly and as real as we are right now in this moment, yeah. I saw me winning the Grammy. I saw the guy who called me. I saw what I was wearing. I saw everything. It's to the point where that, the year before, 
was the first year I actually walked as if I was a Grammy winner. Up until then, I was just trying it, you know, crapshoot, mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a better word. But yeah. year before last, it was like, man, I'm gonna win this thing. And I didn't go around saying it, but it was just an internal confidence, you know? So fast forward, I, I, I get to the point where we're waiting for the call and I get the call from the Grammys. Now, now the coincidence is I had just got finished working with a group of students. I was directing a band that was not my own, a community group of young people who didn't want to be there that night. I got on the podium. By the time we finished, everybody was excited. We cut off the last note. Yeah, it's like those old school Mentos commercials. Mentos, the fresh maker. <laughs> like everybody's excited. I walk off the podium. The kids are like, oh, because then like somebody else had to come and work the band. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not supposed to. I was like, yeah, man, this is cool. It was fun for everybody, you know. Heck so I yeah, walk man. off and then my phone rings in Santa Monica, California. I only know one person in Santa Monica, California, and that was the individual that we corresponded with via the Grammys. So I'm thinking, this is it. I saw the vision. This is five years, okay, of losing. I'm like, it's happening because yeah. I saw it. Positivity, like you said. You know? Word, so I walk in the hallway and the dude uh, calls and I'm, I knew who it was, just like I saw it, man. He's like, uh, hey, Mickey, you know, it's Derek from the Grammys. And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I'm trying to be cool about it. I know, I know I won, I mean, I've seen this, right? So he's like, hey, man, this is, um, you know, it's, it's always an honor to be able to reach out to folks such as yourself. We see all the value you add to your programs, to your schools, to your community. And you know, the fact of the matter is you're second to none. That's why it's so difficult for me to tell you that you were not selected as this year's winner. Uh. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what the heck kind of math do they do in California? You told me I was second to none. Now, I know I'm from Louisiana, <laughs> that's, that's a win. Because first off, I can't get past that. I'm like, somebody needs to recount. We need a revote, right? And then after that, it was like somebody punched me in the gut because yeah. I guess for the first time I got my hopes up that little boy who didn't see value mm -hmm. for the first time I actually opened up my heart to believe and it's like this is what happens this is why I don't believe you know <laughs> right. and uh, I, I say all that to say you know I decided I wasn't going to do it again because it hurt too much and the people around me were hurting and my kids were crying when I came home and told them because mm. even though I didn't tell them about the dream they felt it they believed it they were invested, you know, and I got the, I got the, the eight or nine year old at the time crying. I got the teenager crying, my wife's crying. I'm thinking this was supposed to bring joy and it's bringing hurt. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. So I called a few people and uh, I, ne I didn't get the response I was looking for from anybody. No, no pity parties, man. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you're positive, man. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, just, just get past it. So <laughs> I called my cousin Lisa because I knew she knew me yeah. and she knew my heart. And I called her and I told her, I said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm not gonna do it again. I said, this is, this is just it's too much. And she's like, okay. Now I told you before she was going through something of her own at the time. She was battling colon cancer. And I have this children's book I wrote called The Adventures of Little Mickey, mm -hmm. Keep On Going. Saw that. Because my first sound on the saxophone was amazingly terrible. <laughs> so bad that my mom told me, keep on going outside down the driveway, and ultimately in the woods. True story, that's where I would practice. And little Mickey had to encourage himself never to give up by little telling Mickey. himself, keep on going. And the story continues until I get back and one day they open up the door and they tell me to come in. And that's important because I believe in all of our lives we have that transformative figure that opens that door to show us who we can be. 
And Lisa was that person early on that opened up the door and said, hey, listen to this, do this, mm -hmm. put the hat on, wear the red, do this gig, don't do that gig, study this person. So of course, she's who I went to, and I talked to her like every day. Um, so when I told her of my intentions not to continue, she looked at, you know, she figuratively looked at me, um, and she threw my words back at me. Via the phone, she said, all right, maestro, keep on going. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> how can you argue with yourself? That's cold-blooded, man. I mean, you want to mess somebody up, you go find what, because kids are great at that. My teenager, my, my little boy, they yeah. great at that. It's amazing what they listen to when they want something. <laughs> how is it you know everything I said when you want something, but you couldn't follow directions, right? Right? Yeah, you ignore so, the rest of the stuff. <laughs> So Lisa threw them words back at me, and, and I decided, I said, okay, I'm going to do it again. And uh, this time she told me something. She said, hey, she said, by the way, I don't feel like you've been truly genuine and fully authentic. She said, I, I, you're not living a lie. Everything you've said in the past submission videos and um, requirements has been truthful. It just hasn't been complete. And a lot of times we're operating in truth, but many times we're not complete. We're, not, we're afraid to give the whole picture of who we are, because maybe society says that's not cool, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe society says you don't wear the hat that covers your ears in Pittsburgh, you know, in 20 degree weather. <laughs> but the winners are those individuals that say, screw that, I'm wearing my hat, right? Oh yeah, bro, you gotta be fly. The my listeners man, have no you. idea what we're talking about right now. <laughs> it brought me great joy. <laughs> but it's true, man, and she freed me up. She was like, you need to wear your red, you need to wear your hat, and doggone it, you're being way too humble. And our little internal joke was a lot of people pretend to be humble, and we call that being hum-bull. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she says, just do you. If you make, you're gonna make people mad regardless. Mad people are gonna be mad. Mm -hmm. She said, you just need to give your full truth. So if you ever watch the Grammy video, it's so uncomfortable for me to watch because I feel like I'm one of these uh, furniture or used car salesmen. Everything must go. Man, I'm pulling <laughs> books out. I'm like, I wrote this book and I, I helped these kids and I fed the hungry. And I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, it's still so sleazy, man. But it's when you, it's like a job interview. You got to put your best stuff out there. And I did all that. But before I submitted the video, I told her via text message. I said, hey, I'm going to win this year. Now again, this is coming off of seeing the vision and losing. So you know, here, I am, that, man. here I am with this crazy faith again. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I'm going to win this year. And I sent her a text message of my hat. And I said, I'm going to win because I wore my secret weapons. And uh, she hit me back with emoji. At that point, she's, she's going through chemo, so she's very weak. So sometimes she'd talk. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she just, we had our text, our, mo our emoji language. So that was June 20th. On June 22nd, um, as I was walking on stage for the Shrimp and Jazz Fest, literally I'm walking on stage, I see my mom collapses at a table because she had just gotten news that Lisa had passed away. Mm. And the thing about Lisa is she was the type of individual, if anybody was going to pull through, it's Lisa. Have you ever known anybody so powerful or so positive that despite the diagnosis you're like oh that doesn't apply to them <laughs> that's for those other people I know there's like a 99% death rate but uh, that person's the 1% she was that type of person so it really just it, it took us all back you know um, but ironically that was the year where every time there was a cut I was still standing until finally I'm literally standing in this band hall and I get a call from the president of the Grammys telling me I had won and uh, as excited as I was, there was a moment where I, I was so sad 
because the person I wanted mm-hmm. to see it the most, the person who believed more than anybody wasn't there. But I was reminded a year later that she did see it. You know, normally I, you receive your Grammy Award at a post-ceremony. Uh, they have the Grammys and then they have a post-ceremony after the Grammys, maybe a few months later. Well, with COVID, it's been canceled. So they had to, they had to ship my Grammy Award to me, a FedEx box. So I got it at the house. Um, it was postponed and it was rescheduled. That Grammy arrived at my house on June 22nd. Wow. One year to the day that Lisa passed away. And uh, little things like that along the way has just kind of been a reassurance and a reminder that she's here. That's the reason I wear the hat because I went through a very difficult point this past fall. When you lose somebody that's significant, there's a lot of pain. So I didn't want to bring that pain into this classroom because I know what we, our sound that we give off, our, our, our significance that we, that we share um, can either, either resonate or repel too. So I was trying to figure out how can I be my best self? And for me, wearing the hat was a, a place of comfort and it allowed me to know that she was still close and uh, I don't know, it kind of gave me, like you said, the swag, whatever, it gave me, it gave me a little bit more, a little pep in my step, a little, a little pep in my step, a little confidence along the way. And uh, I'm reminded today that, that, you know, things in life happen for a reason, some are for a season. And with her, it's not a loss, it's a lesson. Mm-hmm. I take the lessons of Lisa every day. And now with everything that I've lost, I'm honored with everything I got left so that somebody else can be encouraged. And to anybody out there that's dealing with loss and difficulty, you know, right now, I would, I would recommend, you know, stay positive. Stay surrounded by individuals that can, that can uplift you and discover your sound. And before we leave today, um, I wanna help those folks and anybody that's listening do what I call a sound check. So don't let me forget, because I got I got that attention span. Squirrel, I forget, man. <laughs> I do that too, brother. That's an amazing story. And uh, I've certainly read a lot of the stuff that you have out online and the videos, and I can certainly see how much you meant to you, uh, starting from an early age with yeah. the, you know, the maestro nickname <laughs> to kind of pick you up at a young age, and then the continued influence of you know, whenever you're thinking of maybe shutting it down, yeah. uh, her seeing the potential and saying, you're not done yet. Get mm-hmm. back out there. Let's mm-hmm. go do it again. Yeah. So it's it was pretty – it was a powerful story reading that about her. Yeah. and I Really think beautiful. I think it's awesome, man. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, you can see the, the passion and love that you had for her and still do. Uh, very neat. And, John, I just want to speak to the fact, dude seems like a half a glass full, huh? Yeah, you know – before we get on to that, I'm looking over here and I see this painting. I also saw that. Yeah, man. A uh, student, student of mine. I share that story before it was a children's book or anything. Yeah. Um, Very cool. I, I tried to figure out how do you how do you get these kids to want to work, and kids really don't care about the subject matter. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So so sh- above the subject matter, I think it's showing them that they matter, and showing them that you're not just this above everybody else type figure that can't understand their struggles. So that's why I always try to remember what it felt like to be 12, you know what I mean? Um, and when I go back to being 12, I see the little kid that was a and d student who later became student of the year two years later because of somebody who saw something in me and also presented life as not a challenge but an opportunity. So I show them that, hey, when I first started, I wasn't good. 
And that story sticks, man. Like these kids are grown and they like, you meet them in Walmart and they like hold you hostage at like the produce <laughs> section. Hey man, tell my, tell my fiance about that story. And my wife is like, are you kidding me? We came in here to like to buy, you know, chips and like we're stuck here telling the story. So after, after a few of those hostage situations in Walmart, my wife was like, you need to write that story down. And uh, before I wrote it, a kid commissioned somebody to make that painting. And this painting is the perspective they had of what it was like when Mr. Smith was little Mickey and his parents opened up that door, you know? So uh, I think that's what I get to do each and every day. It's weird, I, I, I didn't graduate, I'm still in middle school. I don't <laughs> have no hope of getting out at this point. I'm still in middle school, but the difference is now I'm the door holder. Now yeah, I'm opening mm -hmm. up the door for him, you know? So that depicts the, uh, him being allowed to come back in the house. That's the moment at He's the bottom it says, and then they opened up the door. That's what it says at the bottom. Yep. You know, whenever we were talking about having you on, um, you know, we started looking into some of the things that were out there uh, on you, and one of the things that jumped out to both of us was, uh, let's see. This could be scary, man. I don't, oh, <laughs> I don't even know what's out there. <laughs> this is something that okay. we've, we've talked about with uh, other guests. Uh, Hot Dog likes to say he's a half a glass kind of, yeah. half a glass full kind of guy, not a Glass half full, got it. Yeah, the glass half full is like this thing. I like to say I'm a half a glass full. I say my own language. Dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we've kind of thrown that out with other guests, and we we ran across something that you said. So we're just going to bring it up. We both enjoyed it, um, and it said everyone should have an opportunity, have an opportunity, to pour into someone else. If you pour your cup empty, it comes back twice as full. Mm -hmm. I heard that from Quincy Jones. Now. Full disclosure, I did not meet Quincy Jones. Although, Quincy, if you're listening, I'll let you man. Uh, <laughs> but I just think, man, I think Quincy Jones is like the coolest cat ever, man. When you watch, like, he started in jazz and he ended up with Thriller and, you know, like, like his, his, his range is phenomenal. But, man, just the way he approaches life, such a wisdom there. And I don't even know that that's physically possible, but when you look at a life like Quincy Jones, and you see all the trappings that he has. Once I watch his documentary, I think it pales in comparison to his generosity, right? And I'm finding that more than ever that when you see folks that are, that are highly successful and not just highly successful, but um, complete and a certain level of satisfaction in life and in themselves, you do see a measure of generosity that I think is markedly higher than the average person. So there's something to be said of pouring your glass empty and it comes back twice as full. Each day I come into this classroom, I'm gonna be honest, I'm spent, mm -hmm. I'm spent. But it's different, I don't feel tired. I think I felt more tired during COVID. There's been times I felt more drained during COVID. And you would think, man, you literally have time to sit and just do nothing, but nothing only leads to nothing. Right. You know what I mean? I think we were we were act we were, we were designed to be active beings. That's why I said before I don't I don't I don't focus on the to do. I focus on the to be, because at the end of the day, I don't think we're human doings. We're human beings. So we were designed to be something, and not just be something, but I think be something for someone else. You know. Um, so that's why I always say, man, pour that cla that glass empty, because we're only here for a certain amount of time. And the worst man, the worst thing. Oh, the worst thing, I used to run track 
the worst feeling in the world you can have, especially long distance, if you're running cross country and stuff, the worst feeling is to come up just short of winning, cross that finish line, and realize you weren't as tired as you thought you were. Mm-hmm. See, that messes with me. It's like, dang, I had a whole nother gear. I right. could have kicked in, right? Right. I would have rather, especially if you lose by a little bit. Like, I'd rather just get annihilated. <laughs> but to lose by a little bit, and then you realize you had a little bit more to give, and you didn't give it, like, that's garbage, right? I, th- <laughs> I tell my student, like, that's garbage, man. <laughs> so I don't want to get to the end of this thing called life and realize I had some more in the tank because at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. Yeah, man. There's no Word. U-Haul on the end of a hearse. You can't take anything with you. So all you can really leave in this life is what you believe. So the actions and the deeds, even if they don't benefit you, it's like they become a seed. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it benefits somebody else. I'm here today because of what Lily Mae Smith did. My grandmother, who I thought hated me because she was so doggone mean, man. <laughs> Picked the figs and the pears. And you cut her grass with a push lawnmower, not self-propelled, just push. Straight up push. Push lawnmower. She would say, here's a dollar and 25 cents. Dude, I'm not that old. That's like some Great Depression type uh, earmarks. I mean, who does that? You'd ask her for a stick of gum. She'd say, here's half now. And maybe you get half later. I'm thinking, we are, we're not, we're poor. But we weren't like homeless. Like you can't do a full stick of gum, you know? (laughs) I could have told you this woman hates me. I never heard her say I love you because she didn't grow up like that. Mm -hmm. I realize now her parents were sharecroppers. Her grandparents were slaves. It was about survival. You survived. It wasn't about, it wasn't about thriving. It's just about surviving. All that I love you stuff and family vacations, that's for thrivers, man. We just trying to, her family, they were just trying to make ends meet. So she showed love in a different way. Her love language was different. So when she gave me my saxophone, she said, this is what I'm supposed to do. She didn't say happy birthday, Merry Christmas. She said, this is what I'm supposed to do. But now I understand looking back at it, when you got somebody that went through the Great Depression, mm-hmm. when you watch somebody who went through Jim Crow, like the real deal stuff, mm-hmm. like, like she went through some hard stuff. When you watch somebody who watched family members be killed, like you understand, oh, her love spoke differently and it spoke volumes. So like for me, I understand now some of the things she did for me it was seeds she planted. So for me, man, I just believe every day you got to plant those seeds. You got to pour the cup empty. And it's not even for you to figure it out. It's just going to work out. And if you're fortunate and you're blessed, then maybe one day you get a banner that says Grammy winner. And you get a few kids that come back and say, we appreciate you, Mr. Smith. But most of the stuff that any of us are going to do, it won't even be until the weight of eternity is on it that we understand its significance. That's why it's important just like we talked about before with the podcast. Just do it. That's awesome. Just do it. So well said. Mickey, man, I, I, as we were kind of just discussing between ourselves, we're, we're loving this. This is great, man. we got a few more questions for you. Sure. And mine is I consider myself somewhat of a deep thought person. Uh, I like to look, try to figure out. I think one of our things in life is to figure out our purpose in life, which we will not ever fully know yeah, till our time yeah. comes. I'm one of those. But I like the process of trying to figure it out. And I've noticed the positivity. You mentioning seasons of life. You mentioning things being a process. Uh, you mentioned reflecting. You seem to be a deep thought person yourself. Can you give the listeners a little bit about the wonderment, I guess, or the reason behind the wonder for, for trying to figure out who you are maybe as a person or the purpose of life? Sure. Oh, purpose of life. Well, I, well deep thoughts, you know, I, okay, I digress. So, so when you said deep thoughts, I immediately thought of that SNL skit 
Deep thoughts. Steve Smiley. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's too young. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know it. You got, you got, hey, for the listeners, you got to check out Deep Thoughts Saturday Night Live, guys. It's, it's, it's a gem. It's a gem. Uh, I, I'm sure you can imagine they're not very deep. They're very shallow. Oh, they were pretty, pretty entertaining, though. <laughs> they certainly were. I don't, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, um, if you don't have purpose, you aren't really living. And the people that I see that are not satisfied with life, lack purpose. And purpose means different things to different people. Um, I guess the first time I, I, I noticed this was um, I would do house parties and stuff, you know, in college. You know, people would call me, they need some dinner music, and I, like a one-man sax show, I'd bring it in, you know, I had my little speaker or whatever, cut out the band, trying to cut out the middleman, trying to keep all the profits, you know, <laughs> got to feed the kids, you know. So um, I'm playing at these, these events, and as I finish, Man, just about every place I would go, these big, huge estates. I mean, like Robin Leach, Lifestyle, the Rich and Famous type type stuff, you know. Like this one place I went to, the driveway was so nice. Like it was cobblestone. I don't know, it sounds crazy. Like when my, when my wheels on my little sad Ford Escape would turn on it, it would go, like it was, and it was, it was shiny. It's like they had waxed it. I'm like, the driveway's even nice. I don't even want to go in the house, you know. So I go in and we play and the, and the house was everything I thought it was. And, um, the dinner was fantastic. They had a, a staff, you know, waiting staff and all that kind of stuff. Phenomenal. So I leave and the guy tells me in just a moment of just, you know, transparency, he goes, man, I wish I had what you had. I'd give all this up for what you have. And again, I'm in college. And the first thing I thought was, well, let's talk. Because <laughs> I'm like, I know what field I'm going in. I've seen the pay scale for teachers. We could talk right now, right? So uh, I know that goes against everything about the first question you asked. So. That's good stuff. But I would give the toe away. I'm in a better place now. Um, no, but it just, I, I run into those situations, and I never could figure that out. And I, I personally think they didn't hear the sound. They saw my sound. You know, because anybody can play an instrument. But I think what they felt was this guy is not just playing an instrument. If I could, if I could say, I think that they saw he's he's communicating, he's speaking, he's he's sharing, he's pouring the glass empty, and maybe that job that was very lucrative maybe didn't afford an opportunity for them to pour into. Maybe it was. I feel like everybody here is either a signal producer or a signal consumer. You know, what you all are doing is powerful. You're a signal producer. You're producing something someone can take and be edified by. But so many people are just consumers. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have purpose, you're a producer. So with each and every day, I want to produce, man. I want to produce something better because the world's taking way too much away. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. So well said, man. Well, I have... Uh you know, you've touched on a lot of these things that I'm going to bring up, and it's, it's a quote, um, and it goes, Music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Mm -hmm. And that was from Plato. Yeah, man. For a hot dog, that's not the uh, little Plato. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you've touched on a lot of those things that, you know, uh, you know, come through in that quote, and just want to see what you thought about it. Well, I, I, I truly believe, I believe music has an under-recognized value. It's amazing, even right now as we sit in this band hall, um, and I don't want to alarm anybody, I have not been told anything specifically, but nationwide music programs are always in jeopardy, 
always in jeopardy. Um, we're the first thing on the cutting block, the arts. And at the end of the day, this is the thing that truly teaches mm -hmm. because this is where we see ourselves in. We don't necessarily see ourselves in math. Math has value, obviously. Music is mathematical. We don't necessarily see ourselves in science, even though biology is us. You know, uh, those things are us, but music science too. History, sometimes the kids even have a hard time seeing themselves in anything that happened more than 10 years ago. But music is history. So music's that powerful thing, I think, that brings all, art is that powerful thing that brings all those disciplines together in a way that allows it to be palatable to kids. Music art is a vehicle. And what's the purpose of a vehicle? To carry things, right? So, so when you take the vehicle away, you make the work harder. I don't want to do work without a vehicle. They got bulldozers out, outside this building here. You, I promise you, them guys are not trying to live <laughs> and dig, right? But for some reason, we have not seen the value as a, as a collective of music. I believe music is powerful, art is powerful, art decorates space, music decorates time. I think it communicates, it transforms the mind. When you hear a piece of music, it takes you back to a moment in time. It makes you feel a certain way. There's something significant about that. And we haven't studied that enough. And when kids lose that, I think they lose an essential element of what it is to be human, to be part of humanity itself. Man, yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's pretty cool how you can tie in all the other subjects, uses of the world into music. I, I played sports a lot of my life, uh, baseball through college, and I, I could do the, some of the same yeah, things, yeah. Life, le life lessons, principles, things like that you can get through music. Mm -hmm. All right, Mickey, it's your time, man, to play the weekly segment that we ask um, all our guests when they're alone for the ride, and that is, who do you think's driving your car, man? The proverbial car, so to speak, that drives your life. That could be who or what, I guess. It could be God, free will, your health, the pandemic, family, yeah, music, anything that comes to mind, man. What, what comes to your mind when you hear that question? Trust is driving my car. You know, and, and the thing about God, he's awesome, all right? Um, and he's available to all. But it's a matter of trust. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, and by the way, I'm not saying I'm God, but when these <laughs> kids come into this classroom, I am an award-winning educator. And I'm only saying that to paint a picture, but it's up to you as a student how good you get. I mean, I can, I can pour that cup empty, but if you never position yourself to receive what I'm giving, you literally can walk out of this building the same way you came. There has to be something you do that allows me to transfer my knowledge and create a bridge with teaching to help you become your best version of yourself. And it's a matter of trust. That's why at the beginning of the school year, um, it's not about the subject matter. It's about showing them they matter. And when somebody feels that they matter, it changes them. And that's been a narrative of a lot of folks over the last few years and months. They want to know they matter. Why? Because if you don't feel you matter, then nothing matters. Nothing anybody tries to say is worth a hill of beans if you don't see that you mean something in the eyes of that person. So before I can teach them about music or how great I am, or how great I can teach, it doesn't matter. I have to develop an atmosphere of trust. So trust drives my vehicle, and my trust lies in God. My trust also lies not just vertically, but horizontally, which 
you can't see it, but I think that makes a cross. Mm -hmm. And the vertical relationships are critical as well. With my wife, there has to be trust. With my kids, there has to be trust. And trust works, works both ways. But so many times we get in a hurry to show people who we are and prove what we can do. And in the classroom, some people get in a hurry to instruct. But it's all about trust because trust opens up the door for relationship. Relationship opens up the door for influence, which, by the way, that's really what teaching is. It's influence because we learn better from people we believe in and we love. And when you influence, then you can instruct. But if you try to go out of order with that, it's gonna be just that out of order. So trust, if I had to say anything, drives my vehicle. Man. Great answer. Awesome. Really, really well said, brother. Really, really well said. I wanna uh, ask you a little question about this track uh, experience. Oh that was, gosh. That was Come on, uh, please. Yes. Westlake Rams, right? That, that, go Rams, that's yeah. right. Class 98, yeah. So <laughs> He was on the same team as Russ. Oh, Russ wow. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Russ, yeah. shout out to Russ. Okay. So, so, Russ so I, look, I, I like how you said that because you said it perfectly. I was on the same <laughs> team as Russ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we need to break this thing down. If you don't know who Russ Buller is, your life is lacking too. He <laughs> is. to get the listeners look, to know who this he is. dude was so fantastic. Russ it will always be legendary to me and everybody graduated with me because Russ got us out of school, man. They threw this dude a parade. I'd never seen anything like this. We were in school. They were like, we're canceling school today. Why? Because Russ is awesome. And they literally had a parade in Westlake. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this, man. <laughs> Dude's phenomenal, man. World-class, world-class pole vaulter, man. And dude could just do anything. I mean, he must have did like five or six events, man. Big shout out to Russ. And when I got married, I got married in college. Me and my wife got married. Ironically, we lived in married housing. And me and Russ, after all those years, were like roommates again. Or not roommates, but that'd be weird. Okay. <laughs> Let me clarify. Y'all need to edit that. He was not my roommate, but, but like apartment mates like yeah, he was upstairs like sweet mates yeah yeah sweet mates there you go so uh funny how life brings certain folks back into your yeah into your life yeah, yeah that's neat good so people, we've man. been trying to get him on so mickey keeps... i think you're the way to get him on he's gonna listen to this and <laughs> finally get him come on, on man we need to do we need to do like a, a, a sign a petition we want russ <laughs> we want russ wrecking ram re, uh, reunion <laughs> that's it <laughs> oh man that's awesome Oh man! Well, look, this has been a fabulous day. We, we, I'm sure the listeners have been laughing, enjoying, hopefully thinking uh, along for the ride with us here. And Mickey is going to kind of close us out with a little something I believe you call a sound check, right? Sound check, man. Yeah, um, I've been during COVID. I've been developing. Um, I guess you can call it a program. Um, so many people have asked me since I won the Grammy. You know, how? How did all this happen? And it just kind of makes you reflect. I don't think there's any accidents in life. Um, I think everything is uniquely purpose, but I also think it's on purpose. I think you live, you love, you lead by design, not default. And people that are living by default, sorry, I'm gonna get controversial. If it ain't working, I think it's your fault, you know, at the end of the day, cause you're just allowing things to happen. Um, does that mean that things are out of your control sometime? Absolutely. But I think that you definitely want to step out each day with an awareness and a purpose and a perspective that allows you to, to reach that promise. So each and every day I do a sound check and I developed an entire program to help specifically young people, but young at heart, we're not gonna be ageist in this place here. So if you feel young, you feel like you still got something in the cup, something left in the tank, this is for you too. And we call it um, Discovering Your Sound 180 and it's purpose development. But a small element of this is doing a daily sound check and it's super simple, sound is an acronym. S-O-U-N-D. And each and every day, 
I start my day by doing two things. I say thank you. First thing. Word. Before anything happens, I don't check an email. I don't answer a phone. Sometimes I get in trouble for that. But I just, I'm like, I'm not going to let the day dictate. I start by saying thank you before anything happens. And I believe that if you start with a thank you, that gratitude literally changes your attitude and changes your perspective. You see things differently. It's hard to be in a bad mood when you're grateful. It's just hard. Yeah. Um, so aside from that, very often I'll do this sound check where I go through letter by letter and I, I'm intentional. And with each letter, I, I make a point to commit to doing something to achieve that letter. So S stands for see yourself beyond yourself. And as a teacher, man, the opportunities are endless mm -hmm. to see yourself beyond yourself because you're not doing this job for the money, okay? You're, you're doing this job, if you're doing it right, to see beyond yourself and to see the needs of these young people and the families and the community. Um, o stands for operate in optimism and excellence daily. Now, some folks might say, mm, there he goes, he's motivating. Fake it till you make it. Mm -mm. Faith it till you make it. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah but I think it's something more than that. And what I'm about to say doesn't contradict your faith either because greater is in me than anything that's in the world. And that tells me that I have to face it till I make it. it. Tells me I don't have to wait on anything. Everything that I need is already uniquely equipped inside of me to be everything that I need to be. The only thing I need to make sure I have is guidance because if I go down the wrong trail trying to be something I'm not, then that's when I'm ill-equipped. But if I'm in my purpose, then I can face it even when I don't feel like it. Even that year when I felt like giving up on the Grammys, that's why she told me keep on going because mm -hmm. she was able to see what I couldn't see in myself. And that's why when we talk about looking at ourselves, it's not just ourselves, but looking around us. U stands for utilize all available resources. Um, people see this band hall I sit in today, but what they don't see is the nasty, dingy, small one I was in. But I operated in that one as if it was the Taj Mahal or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I took advantage of everything, and, and little did I know, somebody saw it. And I told a group of aspiring uh, doctors yesterday, some, some young teenagers who are in a medical track um, in their studies in Arkansas, I reminded them that most decisions made about you will happen when you're not in the room. Very few decisions made about you will happen when you're in the room. When you guys decided, hey, let's reach out to Mickey, I promise I wasn't in the room. Had I been, that would have been stalking. It would have been slightly <laughs> creepy, right? So the decisions are made. Don't put that past John. He does that every now and again. I will sneak up on some people and get some pictures. <laughs> but those decisions are made, you know, oftentimes based on what we show and who we're perceived to be. So it's very important to be who you're supposed to be. And the decisions made about you will be right in line with hopefully who your most true authentic self is and just use what you have because that equips you to be ready for when you have all the trappings because had I had this band hall first I probably wouldn't have appreciated it oh yeah I probably wouldn't have utilized it properly I don't need all the technology I have now I know how to teach I'm like MacGyver I can <laughs> teach that's old school y'all that's a dude that can make anything out of nothing <laughs> You give me a, you give me just a little closet and, and, a, and a paper clip and, and, and a, a little wad of gum, man. I can I can make a band out of that. <laughs> so so I don't regret those humble beginnings. And I would encourage folks to operate with gratitude and don't regret where you're at in this season. It may not be ideal, but it's real and it's what you need to be everything you need to be. And then N stands for nourish relationships. Even a moment like this is powerful. We've met, and now we'll always have known one another. And it changes the paradigm from here on out. It changes the way you engage me now. Now you can just text me. Now you can just hit me up. 
I know Mickey, right? I know John, right? So it, it, it just changes everything. And our lives are changed when we do connect with folks. And I believe we're better together when we band together. And that, I tell my students, I got these big four letters called uh, B-A-N-D, and they have an acronym. And I tell them, you can't even say the word band without the word and. So that tells me you can't do it alone. No one was designed to do this thing called life alone. Um, and I think when we fail, that's when we try to take on too much ourselves. And then finally, D stands for don't stop. Or as mama said, keep on going, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the key is, is how you perceive it. Because I had a choice when my mom told me to keep on going, I could have been offended by what she said. I could have taken it as keep on going. <sighs> Man, she told me I'm garbage. I quit. She doesn't want me to be around. I quit. But I chose to take it at face value because she never said quit. What did she say? Keep on going. And so many times our win is locked up in how we perceive something. So I want to do uh, like Kellogg's Frosted Flakes said a while back. They said taste it again for the first time. Look at your situation again for the first time each and every day if you can with a simple sound check. And if I went too fast for this stuff, I have a sound check, it's free, it's downloadable, it's on my website at mickeysmithjr.com. So easy to remember, it goes like this. M-I-C-K-E-Y-S-M-I-T-H-J-R.com. See, some of y'all will get that, y'all get that at home. But if you go to mickeysmithjr.com, you can uh, just click on where it says Sound 180, and uh, you can print that out, and, and hopefully it'll be a benefit and a blessing to somebody out there that's looking to find some direction and discover their sound. Man, that's incredible. I'm going to just short aside, and then we got to wrap this thing up. But I am currently reading a book called The Miracle Morning. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of this. I've it's, heard of that. It's a mm -hmm. motivational-type book. Mm -hmm. um, guy's been through a lot in his life, and he has all these different rituals i guess are things you can do put in place have habits that you commit to and all that. and i'm listening to this and i'm like dude this guy needs to write a book on some of this stuff man so looks like you're Excellent. getting down the road it's been very inspiring motivating for myself personally sitting here i'm sure i can say the uh, same for the viewers but i just want to personally thank you for coming along man I i've enjoyed getting to meet with you and hope we hang out again sometime down most the road definitely man most definitely thank you all so much because this is uh like i said it's powerful to, to, to break bread so to speak and to share because you don't always get an opportunity to to share your stories and for folks out there continue to support this because the answers are always in the room mm -hmm. the answers in the room sometimes we go different places but podcasts like this opportunities like this are so powerful because we can see ourselves in the stories of others and we can be encouraged by it so thank you for being an encourager to so many out there and uh keep on going well, we're having a great time doing it. We don't plan on slowing down. Yes, uh, one more thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about your uh, instrument donation? Um? Yes, yes, yes. So for a number of years, I've worked with an organization called Music Makers to You. That's Music Makers, the number two, the letter U. And you can find out more on the website at musicmakerstoyou.org. And basically what um, Music Makers does is uh, they encourage the community to dust off and donate instruments. And the instruments can be in various conditions. They don't have to be perfect. We, we have a partnership with a um, repair shop that fixes them up. So even if they need a, a little bit of repair, we encourage folks to bring them in. Now the question is, where do you bring them? Uh, if you're in the lake area, you can drop them off to any CSE Federal Credit Union. I think there's like five or six locations between Calcasieu Parish and Jeff Davis. And they are set up to receive your instruments. And they you fill out a little paperwork, literally takes like 30 seconds to fill it out. They take the instruments and then the volunteers of music makers to you uh, go and pick them up, fix them up, and then put them in the hands of deserving young kids. And I'm telling you, 
there's nothing more powerful than watching a family who thought they couldn't have an opportunity at music uh, give that opportunity to their young person. And I spoke about my grandmother. She got me my instrument at a time when I thought I couldn't get one. Now you think about that. How different would my life have been had I not had somebody who could have invested in me? So uh, we never want a child to miss out on an instrument because something as trivial as money, you mm -hmm. know. So uh, thank you to all the folks that have donated. We have uh, p paired well over 500 young people with instruments. Well over 100 young people have, are now currently on scholarship at institutions across our country uh, via the instruments they've gotten and the gift of music that they've developed and have parlayed that into a scholarship. So uh, let's continue to, to encourage music and encourage our music programs and let folks know, guys. Hey, let folks know music matters if you, if you can on social media. and, and um, Because when you don't have it, that's when you miss it all the most. Outstanding. All right, guys. We uh, we appreciate it again, Mickey, and we hope you all uh, enjoyed everything. Thanks and, a lot. And look, I, I would challenge y'all to take a lot of the words, comments that you've heard Mickey say today, a lot of deep thought happenings over there uh, that could apply to all of our lives. And feel free to hit us up on one of the social media platforms and, and let us know what you thought of the pod today. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Aye. Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing, sun is shining, nothing more I need. Sing with me